But I did show you that video yesterday, right? I chucked the the goose on her window. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. I, uh, that was one of the yeah, best pranks yeah. I've seen in a while. <laughs> well, she got mad about it because, um, as it turns out, it's one of those birds that hangs out in the water a lot. So it's got oil on its feathers. And I guess she wasn't aware of the fact that, you know, her windshield wasn't ruined. You just have to wipe the oil off. So she sent me a text saying something like, thanks for ruining my, my wipers by throwing a bleeding bird on my window or something like that. WTF. And I was like, hmm, have you considered wiping it off? Is that actually what you said back? <laughs> yeah. Have you considered wiping it off? And I said, uh, yeah, next time I shoot a bird, I'll find a better place to put it. The implication being I didn't shoot a bird. No, don't talk to me. She still thinks I did it, which is weird because I, mean, I did. But, but where would I have gotten a full-blown goose from? I don't hunt. That's true. <laughs> a f- <laughs> An entire goose shows up on her windshield. She's like, "Yeah, it's Josh." It's because it was. <laughs> right. That's the point. The point is, that where would I have gotten a goose? And this is where we're gonna push it because, you know, my coworker, he hates coyotes with a passion because they destroy you know his farm and all that so whenever he sees one he he blows it away and he's got one sitting in his backyard right now so that would be pretty funny i told him you know if he wants he can drop it off in a black bag in my trunk and that'd be funny if like what if you work it'll up it'll find a home or if you worked off slowly you did squirrels then birds then small game and then then just wolves. a horse's head yeah then it's like escalate to like hooved animals like horses and deer <laughs> moose just put them on our car just a lamb's head on a pike put in the back seat she that'd looks amazing. in the rear view mirror that would be amazing <laughs> bleeding all over her leather oh, that sounds psychotic it does sound a little Reynolds. psychotic and a little bit I like to satanic. keep the skins dude okay so new year's news um did you hear about this joe gatto do you know who Joe Gatto is? Yes, I do. So sad. He's this year's biggest loser. <laughs> yeah. How funny would it be, though, if that was like they were filming for season 15 or whatever it was, and that was like the punishment. It's a punishment. You got to do it or you're off the show. And he's like, nah, I guess I'm off the show then. She's like, yeah, but I'm still leaving you. And so he was just tonight's double big loser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What's funny is I went through like a hardcore binge phase of of uh, Impractical Jokers like two months ago where I just incessantly watched it to go it's to so sleep. Good. It's so good. I love Impractical Jokers Every so much. Every one of them. Even the bad episodes are so good. Yeah, they're pretty great. All right. Shall we get rolling on this B? Let's get rolling on this B. Welcome to the Deep Fried Gaming Podcast, a podcast focusing on games and game news. We look at old games, new games, reviews, roasts, and retrospectives. I am one of your hosts, Josh. And I am the other host, RJ. And we are here tonight to bring you another special edition episode going into the beginning of the new year, as opposed to the end of the old year, because it took a little minute getting our episodes out. You know, holiday events and family trips, you know. So I have a New Year's resolution. Never have a late episode? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, maybe don't put out a New Year's episode a week or two after New Year's Day. 
that would be a good place to start if you're running a podcast theoretically. But alas, that opportunity has come and gone until the next year. So we're just going to have to bring it a few days late and bring our A-game for that. I uh, can probably do that. You think you could do that? You think so? I think so. Are you sure you're in the th- the headspace for an A-game episode? Uh, well, well, I'm not going to say it's an A-game. We can call it a B-game until we figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've released an A-game episode yet. Whoa, please. What? What? Don't, don't harass. Don't 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 degrade me like this. What? I don't I don't like to be degraded. Oh yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your little feelings. So, yeah, in this episode, we're going to go over uh, kind of a, a year-end recap, a little bit into 2022 again, but we're going to go over 2021 and talk about our favorite experiences from 2021, as well as some of the games that may have surprised us and the worst experiences. The ones that and may then have take disappointed us. Some ones that may disappointed have disappointed us, us. yeah, for yeah. sure. And I have a couple. I, I do, do have, have a couple, couple. as well. We'll, we'll. we'll get there when we get there, though. Yeah. Also look forward a little bit into the future in 2022 and some of the things that we're excited for. Oh, there's a long list of games that I'm excited for. I've been just aching, dying for 2022 to roll around because I've just been looking at IGN's 2022 upcoming games list and just chomping at the bit. Is it chomping or champing? I thought it was chomping at the bit or something like that. Chomping at the Well, the problem is, I know this conversation happens anytime and every time that phrase is used, but I, I still don't remember what it is. I is couldn't tell you. Or champing. I'm okay. going to look it up. It's going to bother yeah, me. Yeah, you got to get on this now. we got to stop everything for this. Would you Would you like to carry us into our first little section, though? Sure, sure. I'll interrupt you as soon as you get rolling? Absolutely. So, to get us rolling here, we have the best games of 2021 these are not necessarily games that came out in 2021 but definitely the ones that we played this year it's that... uh champing at the bit not chomping oh it's champing at the bit damn it you champ Did you say chomping i said chomp ah you idiot okay you illiterate so, dumbass so to rewind two minutes i'm champing at the <laughs> bit for the new games coming in 2022 just keeping an eye on that tech radar or game informer list of 2022 releases until we get to that section though we have a lengthy list of games to go through games that we played in 2021 and just that we thought kicked butt yeah um how many how many do you have for your 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 top experiences let's see i have five games on my list but five five i'm able to nick some of them from the talking list i i put five in my list of games but two of them are ones that we've either talked about already or ones that we will talk about so i can for the purposes of this show make it three i don't see any need for that honestly i put three because i assumed you had three but i definitely have more Okay, okay. I just I, I just added one right now. <laughs> wow, okay, cool. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, so there's four there. Let's get right at it then. Shall we start with yeah. our uh let's start with you this time. Um, let me th- well, why don't you start with you actually cuz I'll just add one more in the meantime. Oh my gosh, you're such a this. pain in the butt, but fine. Well, cuz I don't have a number no, 5. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. No, you know no, what? No, you, you know need, what? You need to You know what? Right. You need to fix your attitude, Sonny. Okay. Okay. You need to simmer down a little bit there. Simmer Maybe you down should simmer up a little bit. 
You need to turn down the heat there. You're coming a little hot. Okay, I'll, I'll cool it off. I'll, I'll take this glass of eggnog right next to me and just dump it all over You got my head. eggnog? I did until I drank it all. Ah. And just like Pretty that. Sure it's out of season. Uh, nope, it's, it expires on the 21st of January, so that means that I can drink it <laughs> until the 21st of January. All right, it's with your first game. Okay, fine. For my first game, we have Paper Mario with the Thousand Year Door. A very old oh, game. Dang. A very old game, but I didn't get around to playing it until this year because I had a roommate that just loved this game to death, probably played it as many times as I've played Mega Man, and just insisted that I play it. So I eventually got around to it, and boy, did I love it. It was kind of a nice switch up to have a turn-based Mario game as opposed to just a real-time combat or platformer. I thought the characters were really fun, and I thought that the combat was super fun as well. A nice little switch up of... um, A nice little mashup of turn-based combat with some real-time action elements like command inputs and such. So I, I thought that it was fantastic. I thought it was a really approachable play, even if you haven't played many RPGs before, of the turn-based variety. I haven't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's very accessible. I played, so, so I play, I don't know if you've done these, on the DS, I, I don't know how the DSs work, to be honest. I only ever owned the... What do you mean by know how they work? DS. They're pretty easy to okay. understand. It's a handheld no, no, console. No, no, no. <laughs> no like, like, so... So there's the DS, there's 2DS, 3DS, and DS. Wait, DS. I don't know. There's the DSi after okay, DS. Look, look. Point is, we had the base DS, and I played um, uh, Super Mario Brothers. What was that thing called, dude? Uh, in Bowser's Inside Story. There's one other one. Isn't Inside Story like a Switch game, or is that is that a port or a remaster? It, it probably is a port because those are pretty popular. But they were kind of the RPG turn-based. Uh, style and i remember having some fun with those those are kind of cool you had all these little moves you could do uh with with mario and luigi oh brothers in time is what the other one was called and i i spent a a good decent amount of time on that so that's the uh not the actual extent of my experience but as 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 far as super mario goes the extent of my turn-based experience yeah i love it when turn-based games give you something to do during the action phases like the guarding function and yeah the like you can guard um block or there's various moves that have command inputs to add more damage or do certain kind of effects and having that definitely made it feel like that you were actually doing the move as opposed to just hitting the button and telling mario to do the move for you if that makes sense yeah so it's just, yeah, so no, just hitting just... slash, you have to like actually mash the A button to make him slash. Well, not only does it like keep you occupied, entertained, but it adds a, an element of skill to something that is quite often, you know, purely RNG and chance based. Well, you know, or whether you're gonna miss based, or yeah. you're gonna yeah, um, yeah. or just uh, strategy based, like in Pokemon, for example, where it's not necessarily a random number generator, but it's knowledge of the enemies that you're facing their weaknesses and your strengths and all that kind of stuff and building a pokemon or whatever which is not something that you can do in a mario rpg like that so it's just a really good mashup and it was a pretty solid little rpg experience this spring so that was my number five so mine and and this i admit is because i have been listening to the soundtrack for the past oh my gosh week um this is a 
gorgeous game. It's the first time I played it w w was this year. Again, these are not necessarily released this year, but these are our best experiences, and in the future we'll play some more new games. But, man, the soundtrack to this thing is beautiful. The visuals are absolutely gorgeous, and the story is simplistic but super heartfelt. Ori in the Blind Forest. Dude, this is such a good game. I, we got to play it at some point. I offered. I've been in, offering in the future, way for, in the future, because I've been offering to play over break while I have no computer to play anything on. But you're insistent that that's not necessary. I'm insistent that we have so many games on the roster right now that we're trying to finish. But I am also insistent that we have to play it. Uh, I am Fair not enough. huge into 2D platformers. I've played just a handful of them, like Rayman, Rayman Legends, Shovel Knight, uh, Celeste. You know, a lot of the, like, the checklist ones, right? The must-plays. And I would consider Ori the Blind Forest to be one of them. It's it's super stylized. Um, it looks really fun from what I've, I've ever seen. It looks really pretty and fun from when I've seen you play. Yeah. I adore Rayman Legends, but I think as a game, Ori is probably actually the better platformer. As much as it pains me to say it, I just think it's a fantastic game. So number five is Ori and the Blind Forest. And yes, we will be playing that. Okay. Well, we still haven't made it through a single one of the games that I pitched, except for Hitman, so you better well, be playing this is, Mega Man this soon. Is, you know, that's why I said in the future. I'm leaving some, some room there. Mm-hmm. Fair <laughs> enough. And I'm halfway through Hitman 3. Back off. You're halfway through? Damn. i got three more left. So you did Apex Predator? Yeah. Was that the long one or the short one? That's the one where you're in Berlin in the nightclub. Yeah, I know, but you mentioned there was like a long one. That one took me quite a while. Um, I think it took me 37 minutes. Oh, that one took me like a good hour. I had a hard time finding the targets, or having them find me, rather. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that one was pretty fun. Anyway. Want me to take number four? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> because... Well, I'm not finished. My number four is the Hitman trilogy. Hey, yo. Good hey. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe I mentioned this before, but I feel like there is somewhat of a lack of really well-made stealth games, especially stealth games that have a sandbox element like Hitman does. And Hitman has a sand sandbox element in a lot of different ways. You know, in the way you assassinate your targets, there's a lot of different stories, a lot of different paths. And even if you want to make your own little path, you can do a lot of a lot of different things to achieve your goal. So the Hitman trilogy, we're going to be doing a, a whole episode on it at it's some gonna point be, in the near future. We're going to be getting but into it because I love that. One game. of the th one of the th things I was concerned about is when you we were initially like trying to figure out how we were going to do it. We temporarily kind of threw the idea of, oh, we'll play Hitman 3, and then we'll do an episode on that. I recall thinking, like, uh, I don't want to do just one game. I know there's an overarching story. So we decided, okay, we'll hit all three of them at once and do them in one episode. And my concern was, we're going to start playing through these things, and by halfway through the second game, we're going to be like, all right, it's the same thing. I'm getting a little old of this. But it doesn't work that way. All these levels are so fresh and so unique. They have their own little spin. All the locations are so different. All the scenarios are different, and even though you're using the same 
disguise to get into new areas, pick up items off the ground mechanics to get to your end goal. The way that it's executed is so different in each level that it hardly even matters. Yeah. And like I said, there, there's just, I feel like I have not run into any games with such a well fleshed out kind of stealth, uh, stealth system. They're out there, but not very common. So I have greatly enjoyed my time with Hitman so far. I'm, I'm almost wrapped up with it. And that puts it at number four for me. Dang it, dude. You stole one of mine. I'm going to replace. Did I? Yeah. And I already know that we both have It Takes Two on our top five, so I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna replace. Now they can be the same, huh? It's still one of your best ones. Why would you have to replace it? That's uh. cringe, bro. Okay, well, it it's it is one of my favorites. I'm just gonna say ditto to whatever Josh said, so that way we can talk <laughs> about it on whenever we get our Hitman episode recording. Alternatively, I have a way out on my favorite games list of this last year. Definitely the little brother and predecessor to uh, It Takes Two, one of my favorite games this year, and I know it's one of Josh's as well. It's definitely the precursor in a way that you can clearly see that It Takes Two is better than A Way Out in just about every single way. But A Way Out is still a very good co-op game, and it was surprisingly enjoyable to have a co-op game that used both party members in effective ways and had little fun mini games and activities for you to do as a with your partner that kind of really honed in the cooperative experience and the bonding over and the overarching story of the two protagonists bonding over the course of their adventure so that was a fun little that was a fun little co-op experience that i played twice over once with my roommate and one with i think it was my brother and that was that was really enjoyable. I don't have a ton to say on it just because the game itself was so simple, but it was very fun. Had lots of funny little gimmicks in it, just like It Takes Two does. You can tell it's made by the same guy. Yeah, yeah. One of the, one of the things that I I like is their camera work. It felt like a movie in a lot of places. The way that they would do the split screen, it was so creative. Mm-hmm. It Takes Two is a much more like linear kind of camera right but there's a lot of chase scenes in um a way out i know and it was so well done so well done it definitely felt really action-packed at parts which is very hard to do with a co-op split screen type Mm -hmm. game like that um and you would think that a split screen game can get claustrophobic like that but it actually ended up working pretty well and I also think the story's better. Sorry, I didn't thought you were done. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. You thought that the story was better for a way out? I, I I think it was a better story. It was just shorter, so it was more rushed. I think that I def I definitely felt more impact at the end of a way out. I disagree with you on both of these fronts. However, I think that there is very good reason for you to appreciate both of them deeply. I really, really liked the characters, and I remember being pretty impacted when the game ended. I remember actually, before getting to the end, we won't do any spoilers for this. Once you get to that little end part, and the whole twist thing happens, I was so caught off guard and it actually made a massive impact because the entire game I was spending these uh, spending the in-between mission sections doing little mini games with my friend 
and doing all the little tic-tac-toe and horseshoes and balancing the wheelchair and all that kind of stuff that kind of rounded out the experience from just a linear walk down this hallway, talk to this person, okay, both of you hold down the right trigger, all that kind of stuff, to a full experience of these are two people going on an adventure and experiences happen. And it really kind of fleshes out their connection as people to each other. Not just by situation, but also by as people that could enjoy each other's presence. That's fair. I guess we'll agree to disagree on the uh, the story aspect of it. Which is obvious not to say It Takes Two is a bad game. They're both they're both very, <laughs> very good. And oh god. Okay. Uh whatever. We're not gonna get into the storyness <laughs> of both of these because I don't wanna <laughs> We probably shouldn't. I don't wanna go down an emotional spiral that I'll have to spend a day recovering from because it takes two and a way out both shook me for like a good twelve hours each. So I don't want to get into that right now. However, I will say that I I think if I had both stories out fully in front of me and I could look at them each on their own, I think there's a way that I could be persuaded for you to be correct, but I just don't from my immediate memories of each game. So yeah, take that for what one, you will. One of, one of the big factors I, I, I would surmise is the fact that you spend over, thir- no wait, is it 13 hours, right? For a way out? In, uh, no, in It Takes Two. Definitely more than that. Didn't it take us, like, a good 18 hours to get through that game? I think it took us, like, 15. Okay. But the average is around 13. So, point is, you spend over twice the amount of time in It Takes Two as you do in A Way Out. Yeah. With these characters. For sure. Which is not insignificant. It's true. It's true. That's fair. So, that's why I said that. If I was just looking at the story and... Uh, divorced from how long they were, I could be persuaded of your point of view. But I don't have both of those stories in front of me, so I can't. So we're just going to roll with what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Right, fair. Well, uh, my number three is Resident Evil 8. I am a new convert to the Resident Evil franchise. I didn't play them as kids for obvious, or as a kid for obvious reasons. No way, same, and I still don't, for the same reasons. (laughs) In the past uh, two years, I have started kind of cleaning up that pool of games that I've missed out on. I've done uh, Resident Evil 7, Resident Evil 8, and then the remakes 2, 3, and I'm playing through another one, which I will mention later on. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Don't look at me like that. So Resident Evil 8, uh, I do think 7 is better, but as far as like first-person shooter games go, this was a really enjoyable one. I thought it was creative. I thought it was well done. There's all these complaints, right, that everyone has had, like Lady D needs to be a part of the entire game, not just the first three hours of it. And it wasn't exactly scary either, but it's some of the most pure like video game fun that I've felt in a while. And sometimes... You kind of lose that in some really heavy story-based games to where you, to some extent, forget it's a video game and you're just doing tasks to do tasks to see the story. This is a game where as I went through and I just shot things and blew stuff up and explored these areas. Really cool, unique levels for a lot of it. It just felt like I was playing a good game. So Resident Evil 8 is my number three. Okay. Fair enough. I've never understood your 
interest in horror games. I've always been pretty resentful of my aversion to horror games, but there's nothing to be done about that. I have given it an honest try. Honest. I am going to try to finish Visage at some point, but I'm skeptical that'll happen without the assistance of multiple friends being in the room with me. So, (laughs) that being said, you will not be surprised to find out that there's no horror games on my list. My number three is, in fact, It Takes Two, and having spent the time that I just did talking about both It Takes Two and A Way Out, I don't feel the need to go any further on that one. Not to mention the fact that we have all of our thoughts laid out about that on our first episode of this very podcast. So you can go check that out there. But, in short, fantastic game. Little to no complaints about it at all, other than the fact that my computer had a hard time running it for... A while. <laughs> oh yeah. Not yeah, that whole thing. Yeah. I forgot about that. Luckily, dude. it's fixed now. But yeah, that, that was a thing for a while. No problems anymore. So not the game's fault though. Not the game's fault. So it takes two. Number three, fantastic game. If I if it wasn't for me playing so many other games that happened to be bangers this year, then it probably would have ended up at number one. Definitely a top it, five it games. It is. Yeah. Spoiler alert. It takes two is actually my number one. So I'll uh, I'll just hit my number two here, and number one will be unacknowledged. Another nod because darn it's a banger game. This is somewhat of a surprise. My number two surprise for me because uh, I actually tried it. Sometime last year or the year before, it might have been two years ago, and I did not enjoy it. I heard that it was very good, and I hopped in solo, which was my mistake, and I didn't really like it very much. It was a little dull. It seemed the gameplay seemed kind of bland. Visuals weren't really doing it for me. I put in about 45 minutes to an hour. I quit and left it for a year and a half, two years. And then on a whim, me and some boys were like, hey, this uh, is a game that is now released we should all hop into and i said ah i've heard it's good i tried it and didn't like it but i'm willing to hop in we did and it turns out it is absolutely stellar deep rock galactic planet on pc it's coming out on ps4 and ps5 before too long if i'm not mistaken this year but man this game is so good dude it's a small team uh what is the what is the studio I don't remember but it's a small team of people and it's incredible the amount of work they have put into this game uh so it's, it's like a class-based pve um, i don't know mining simulator slash shooter you you play as dwarves and you have to go down to these caves and and uh find gold and other materials to a- upgrade your armor and equipment and you got to fight these glyphids that are always trying to kill you there's a ton of different environments a ridiculous number of environments that are always uh, like a, a lot of fun to explore uh, a lot of different kinds of these these glyphid bugs a bunch of difficulty settings their type of missions are so extraordinarily varied i think i played for like five six hours before i even saw you know most of the mission types and as you play you unlock more types of missions and in this little pod you're part of like a little space pod there's all these kiosks upgrade weapons to do armor uh, to customize your dude 
You can create overclocks for your weapons. You can There's like a mineral trade, which you use to get different upgrade materials. Uh, like I said, deep dives. You can go get beers and have perks for for your missions. It's a ridiculously large game. I've sunk, in the past couple months I picked it up, I've sunk, uh, I want to say, 70 hours into it now at this point. 60 or 70 hours. And I'm going to continue to play it because it's just so much fun. So it's kind of my surprise... Oh, man, this is a lot of fun game. Yeah. And my number two. Well, and it's no surprise that it's... It's no surprise that it's a top game that's catching really fast because it's can it's kind of catching a lot of the best aspects of different games and mashing them together into one that kind of allows for a lot of different types of gamers to enjoy. It has the satisfying visual I found gold aspects of Minecraft and the actual the cave crawling part of it. It does the whole cave crawling exploration stuff of like Terraria and Minecraft but it skips over all the boring overworld stuff and just lets you go straight to the exploration side of it. It adds monsters, but only in waves, so it kind of adds the zombie wave shooter side of it, and you can prepare for it by setting up battle stations and turrets and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of mixes together a lot of the best aspects for a all the best fast-paced aspects of a different a bunch of different kinds of games to be really appealing to a wide section of gamers and also has a pretty simple but fun art style that kind of makes it pretty enjoyable as well it's not it's not insane it's not photo it's not photorealistic it's very stylized but it's incredibly enjoyable to look at kind of a good point it is it is a little bit of a hybrid and other games have done similar things, but this it's so everything is so tight and well thought out, it feels. It just it, it all synergizes fantastically. And it's built so that if you it's a four player PvE and there's four different classes. It's built so that if you have each of these four classes, you know, you make the perfect crack team, assuming everybody knows what they're doing, obviously. And another thing about it that I found was really interesting is that these four different classes, when I hopped in with all the other guys, we picked different classes. We didn't pick the same class. We're like, okay, if you're going to be Gunner, I'll be uh, Engineer. And I chose Scout. And we basically all fell in love with our class. We're like, I don't want to play anything else. This is the best class. So there's... Hmm. That's when you know we, they have you have made... a good class system for your game exactly. when nobody else wants to it's switch. It's really good. Nobody feels left out. It's kind of like It Takes Two when we were talking about how mm-hmm. I really enjoyed being May and going, oh man, I made the right choice. And you enjoyed being Cody and you're like, ah, I, I'm really glad I'm not playing May this time. If you have a system where each person is so happy with their choice, no matter what exactly. they pick, they won't want to pick something else. And you made a good class system. And those are very hard yeah. to find. And the thing is, like, everybody's playstyle is different, so ultimately one class might actually fit better. But the fact that you don't absolutely despise playing a certain class is maybe until you really get used to the game and understand exactly how everything works, that is an accomplishment. Because we've cycled through probably six or seven guys in our little squad, and every one of them has hit these classes and been like, oh yeah, okay, this is what I like. Mm-hmm. And then Tristan has branched out because he's he solos that game like frequently he's at over 100 hours i believe and so he's trying to prestige all of his characters and he's playing as all of them and he, he likes them all right yeah so yeah the the, the class system is, is yeah. incredible you can't remove preference uh-huh. but you can certainly 
avoid having lopsided classes, and it sounds like this game yeah. has magically done so. Every class has a very distinct purpose, and they're all extraordinarily useful. But at the same time, you do not need every class. Like, you can totally make do with, you know, if you only have two, three guys, you can choose your favorite one and make it work. Some of them don't work as well together, but to the game's credit, it's not a requirement that every class is there. So That's man, awesome. It's a fantastic game. A worthy number I absolutely two. absolutely love that game. <clears throat> so, How about we move on to our most disappointing games of the year? I would not be opposed in the slightest. I still had one more game, but if we're running short on time. Oh, I thought that was... I thought that was... No, I thought that was uh, It Takes Two. No, 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 no. That's uh, my... It Takes Two is my number three. I didn't put them in order. It Takes Two probably oh. deserves to be at my number one or two. Um, we can glance over one of my others because it's going to be one that we talk about soon. You know which one I'm talking about. Um, but one that we will not be talking about soon, which I absolutely fell in love with this year, was the Batman trilogy, the Arkham trilogy. Oh, bruh. Oh, bruh. So it made it so high on my list because it's a trilogy. I mean, each game mm-hmm. on its own probably wouldn't have made it into my top three. However, as a coherent trilogy of all three games, it was certainly an incredibly satisfying and worthy pick to put up that high. The stories between all three were incredibly coherent, jumping from one to the next, and each one escalated and raised the stakes more and more and more, which I thought was super awesome. I I had only played Arkham City before, but having gone back and played Arkham Asylum, and then Arkham City, and then Arkham Knight, all three of them really progressed into the next ones really cleanly from story to gameplay developments adding features and gadgets and all that kind of stuff to just simply the things that you could actually do in the game game modes and scenarios that you could play out it got much more fleshed out by the time we got to arkham knight and especially graphically arkham asylum feels kind of dated a little bit City starts to look normal, and Arkham Knight looks fantastic. So, all three together, and I played them all in pretty rapid succession. I think I started Arkham Asylum in April and finished Knight by August, so I played all three of them over the course of a couple months, and it was a very worthy use of time in terms of gaming, because that are you was awesome. a, Are you a Batman fan? Uh, I'm not really... I wouldn't necessarily claim to be a fan of any one superhero genre just because I've never been raised reading the comics and watching every single thing about them and knowing all the things, playing all the games. However, I really am fascinated by the Batman character. I think if there is a a single superhero that I uh, enjoy more than the others, it would be Batman. Um, I think he's awesome. Because that's one of my difficulties getting into these is that I've I've watched the Christopher Nolan Batman movies but similarly to you I have never really been into comics so I haven't read this and haven't had a chance to fall in love with that character so it's somewhat disinteresting on, on its face to play these games I did play Arkham Knight and it was fun oh you played but... Arkham Knight dang so you you played the most climactic of the three already that's the one with Oz Oz whatever his name is Raz al Ghul or whatever. That's the second one. That's Arkham City. Maybe played Arkham City. I don't know. So my, I guess my question is, 
if I go back and play these, am I going to be lost because I don't understand Batman lore? No, no, Ashley, it's pretty approachable. So all you really need to understand, well, Ashley, here's the nice thing, is you don't actually need to know any Batman lore uh, because each game has a feature in it where when you encounter a character or you find a little piece of intel, it'll go in a slot next to that character or whatever, and you can get little lore tidbits in the game. So the first time you encounter Killer Croc, for example, it'll say Intel item added, and it'll say Killer Croc. So you hit the the pause menu, and it'll have a little description of his character. It'll say Killer Croc became a bad guy this way, and Mm -hmm. these are some of his traits. And then it'll have, like it's a detective violet, it'll have traits, age, height, all that kind of stuff. And then um, in some of the games, there's... Uh, audio recordings that kind of give you a sense of their personality too so you won't be terribly lost there's some stuff that I didn't know about going into the games that I had to kind of learn about retroactively but I say you could manage going through only knowing what you know from the Christopher Nolan movies (laughs) I remember being like distinctly confused by the one that I played because it it see it felt so disjointed, I was just flying around the city and randomly there were just super villains doing things and I I didn't understand how they all connected together. It's just one moment I was fighting the frost punk dude, and the next moment I was jumping across a bunch of ice to go kill penguin, and the next moment, uh, there's I was in some dream sequence fighting Raz Al Ghul, and I was like, what is going on? And then I kill the Joker, or don't kill the Joker, I don't remember what happened. Um, because, uh, you know, spoilers, it was, it all felt really disjointed. So I don't know if that's the result of me not understanding what was going on because I wasn't paying attention or if it was because I didn't play the previous game, Well, but I would like to give him a, a, a shot and, and play the whole series all the way through. I think you're definitely, if you understand that you don't know who these characters are, because they play out the game as if you know who these characters are going into it. So if you at least go into it knowing that, then it should be fine because it'll tell you what you need to know about the character. Like, for example, you have your first encounter with Deathstroke. The game just assumes you know who Deathstroke is, and (laughs) many people may not if they haven't read the books or anything like that. So you just, when you have your first encounter with him, it's pretty obvious it's like, oh, gunshot. So he's a guy that shoots things from very far away. And then you read your little intel thing about him and you get his little backstory and then Everything else after that makes sense about that character. It'll just require a little more legwork in-game yeah. to kind of understand the character. Sure. But from their voice lines and the descriptions that they give you in the pause menu intel section, you can pretty much gather all you need to know about the character's backstories and their personalities and all that you need to know. The supervillains tend to be pretty one-dimensional, uh, barring a few, uh, which is what makes those ones stand out, i.e., uh, Dr. Freeze and Joker. They tend to be a little more layered and interesting. But yeah, you could easily jump in and at least enjoy the gameplay and the story and, and the stuff that Batman is going through, in particular with the Joker in those games. Even if you don't necessarily know every single encounter uh, who you're dealing with. Well, fair enough. You know, Rocksteady's got a new game coming out? I heard about this. And I've been. Uh, being patient to not look up anything about it because I do not want to be disappointed. I'm just going to not look at anything 
and uh, read. You don't anything. want to be disappointed if it releases and is bad, or by knowing what it is. I don't want to be disappointed by reading rumors and then finding out that those rumors don't hold to be true. So I'm waiting until oh. I find like officially released things. I heard rumors of new game, and then I've just I I've refused to read it because no, it's like fully released. The it's been fully announced. The There's trailers out and everything for the next Batman game. No, it's a Rocksteady game. Oh, I've I've I thought we were talking about um, Rocksteady releasing another Batman Arkham game. Uh, there's another Batman game coming out. I don't think it's Rocksteady. Okay, well I heard that. But no, it's uh, Suicide Squad. Kill the Justice League. Oh, yeah, it looks pretty awesome. Not gonna lie. The the um, Suicide Squad, I feel like could be a really fun game. Um, they actually one of the cool things that they did with Arkham Sid uh, Arkham Knight is they had little one-off chapter things where you could play as other characters. So in Arkham City, I don't know if you did this at all, but you could do little simulations uh, where you could play as Nightwing or Robin or Batman and do these little combat simulations. But in Arkham City, you could do them, and you could play as characters that you couldn't play as in the game. Harley Quinn was one of them. Uh, There was one other bad guy, like Deathstroke and no, not Deathstroke. Uh, Deadshot. What was it? Such a goofy name, Deathstroke. Yeah, but you can do all these things, and but they also have one-off chapters where you play as these characters. So there's the Harley Quinn chapter where you uh, infiltrate this place as Harley Quinn, and instead of Predator Vision, she has I forget what it's called, and instead of um, like Batman Insta Kill mode for example harley quinn has her own version of that and then they had one with nightwing and robin and batgirl and it was kind of it was really cool they added a lot of cool little one-off features to that kind of stuff anyway we've gone on we've gone off on a whole batman tangent that i'm more than happy to talk about but i also don't (laughs) want this uh, editing to take forever like the last one did the batman podcast so diverting from our previous course into an entire episode dedicated to batman let's shift gears over to the greatest disappointments of 2021 and again these are not games that released in 2021 although they could be these are just merely the games that we played in 2021 so let's hear them i have two let's hear it okay my number three is back for blood baby darn it man what a all right so one of the, I think I've mentioned this, one of the things that I feel I somewhat missed out on in early gaming is the land party type scenarios. Now, Back for Blood isn't, okay, when I say that old, you know what I'm saying. It isn't that old. But it's it's old enough that there were definitely land party type scenarios. And it's a very, it was, and still to some extent is, a very popular zombie shooter. Now, While I have said that I really enjoy first-person shooters, I am generally speaking about, like, single-player, right? Not multiplayer or competitive-type first-person shooters. So that being said, I don't really have a huge repertoire of, like, first-person shooter games to compare this game to. And yet, it feels very... It felt very stale. It wasn't something, by any means, that blew me away... Now, it wasn't a lot of kids playing it. It was just you and me playing duo. But I really can't imagine having more guys would have made it a lot more fun. 
No, definitely so, not. So, coming from my perspective, as somebody who doesn't really have a deep well of knowledge as it comes to first-person shooters, finding this game to be boring, I can't imagine it It really aged well to anybody else, people who are fans of Left 4 Dead. And I don't know if I would have enjoyed Left 4 Dead either, to be quite frank. But I mm. really was hoping that this could kind of be my main introduction into the series. Like, ah, okay. So this is what people felt like back in the day. And it certainly didn't do it for me. We were going to no. do an episode on it. We never even finished it because we're like, ah, yeah. this is just... Well, here's the deal. It. Honestly, I can't quite put my finger on it. I, it might be the content of the missions themselves or the characters that you're playing as because NPC dialogue in a game like that means a lot when there isn't a whole lot of cutscene action going on. In fact, there's even less cutscene action going on in Left 4 Dead 2. But for some reason, I don't know if it's the map layout or the scenarios or what. Left 4 Dead 2, even as a solo game, but I played it co-op, mostly two-player, was a substantially more fun time than any point of Back 4 Blood. And I can't tell you why, but it just was. Um, I'd have to go back and play it again to find out. Because Left 4 Dead 2 is long in the past. It's just a memory. Back 4 Blood is technically everything is solid like the shooting mechanics are solid the performance is great it looks Fine. it looks pretty good like it lo- it looks good it does all intents and purposes it, it would seem that it's a good game but the fun factor is just so missing for me i don't know what it is and that's why because the fun factor is definitely there for left for dead it is definitely there for left for dead but i can't quite figure out what's present in left for dead that is not in Back for Blood. And maybe it's just nostalgia, but I have a strange feeling that it is not. So I'll have to kind of go back and play it at some point. Maybe you and I could play it when I get back to back home in front of my computer and we could put a few hours into Left 4 Dead and maybe see if we can discern. Because that might be a fun yeah. little way to make something Comparison. of our Back for Blood. Uh, is uh, to make something of our Back for Blood playtime is to maybe do a comparison of Left 4 Dead and Back for Blood and see as zombie shooter amateurs if we can kind of <laughs> figure out what went wrong in back for blood and what went right in left for dead because they're so yeah. similar they're so similar but there's just well they're trying missing. to nail the same vibe too you, you can tell i've seen all the trailers and i've played a little bit of uh left for dead not a lot they're trying to nail the same vibe with all the characters but the characters are also extraordinarily boring and in the times they're not being boring they're being very very cringe <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sorry, tell me which it, it one is the didn't most cringy and obnoxious. Well. Honestly, there's other issues with it as well that I I know aren't the reason it's not fun. But this isn't a review of it. This is just me saying, darn it, I actually really wanted that to be a good game. I was excited for it. Well, you've hit one of my two, somewhat three. Oh, did I? Yeah, one. Of, I had three games. One of them I bundled into two because they're practically the same thing, and I know. Uh, which one you're uh, I know that you know where I'm going with this and it's Grim Fandango and 12 Minutes the whole lame point and click uh, adventure game we tried so we did try and I'm not saying that all point and click adventure games are bad I know if I did that I'd have a fight on my hands because Josh is a huge fan of the Nancy Drew series so (laughs) I'm not gonna get ahead of myself here and say that all point-and-click adventure games are boring and suck. But 
These two certainly did. Grim Fandango was not a fun game at all. I had not a fun time (laughs) with the aesthetic. I don't know what it was, but the whole Land of the Dead thing... I Actually, I know exactly what it was. It's supposed to be the Land of the Dead, and it's supposed to be this kind of ghost town vibe where it's just empty, everyone's trying to get out of it, it sucks, and the game was made in the early 2000s when there's not a lot of processing power to have a ton of NPCs running around, so it actually looks like a ghost town, empty, desolate place as well. So it really feels like it's just you out there in the world with the four NPCs that they put in there with you. There's no life to it. There's no life to it at all, and that is definitely the one of the main factors that kind of contributes to it being a hard game to play when you're just going from place to place. The thing that makes it hard to play when you're actually playing the game and engaging with the puzzle features is that it is gamer logic to the extreme. <laughs> and you, it's you have bad. to do everything in such a specific way and it doesn't give you any indication that you would have to do it in a certain specific way. So I was doing a, uh, a level in Ghost of Tsushima earlier today where I had to find... Uh, I had to find the whereabouts of this person, and I had, I found the whereabouts of this person, but I didn't interact with a footstep two, place, two steps back, and I had to interact with this footstep and then the final location in order for it to initiate the event. Similarly, in and this is luckily a very, very outlying experience in Ghost of Tsushima. Unlike Grim Fandango, where every single thing that you do has to be done in such a specific order that you know that you solved the puzzle, you know that you have to put this thing right here, but for some reason, you have to do it in a different way than is the most obvious because gamer logic and dumb, and it just completely ruins the flow of your game, and it strips you of feeling rewarded for figuring out the puzzle because you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, I figured out how to do it, but now how does a, how's the game want me to do it? Dude, well, even... Okay, first of all, if you actually know what you what the game wants you to do, you are a super genius, because these puzzles are so darn obtuse, bro. Yeah. So I'm going to spoil one of the puzzles, but there's a billion of them. Don't worry. This is in the first chapter. So you have to get into this little machine. I don't remember why. You have to get into the uh, machine. Oh, to get a like a job, right? The character, uh, Manny, he wants to get a, a good job, like a, a good uh, soul, right? He's got to get a soul. So in order to do that, he's, he's got to go into the machine. Well, in order to get into the machine, what you have to do is you have to go outside, find the balloon dude, ask for a worm, which by the way, you can get a bunch of different animals, okay? A bunch of different balloon animals. One of them is, hey, can I get a worm? Well, when you ask for a worm, he just gives you a, a, a balloon, uh, a, a tube balloon, but it's not blown up take this tube balloon you have to go into like a casket room fill it up with foam and you get two of them so that they react then you have to go up to your office and use the pneumatic tube system and drop these balloons that you filled with this foam into the pneumatic tube system which will then bring it down into the uh the little letter box and that'll blow open the door or uh no sorry no 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 sorry that'll blow up inside And then the maintenance man comes in, and you have to go in while the maintenance man is fixing it and hit this very, very specific little pixel right in the doorknob to uh, open the lock so that when the maintenance man leaves, the door doesn't shut all the way. So you can get inside and grab a stupid letter. Oh, my goodness. 
And that's yeah. just one of like a, a ridiculous number of puzzles. And they're so re- it is like you said, the epitome of gamer logic. Find a an interactable object of which there are many, many. Go into inventory, drag every single item onto interactable object. If nothing happens, move to the next and do the same thing. That's not fun. Yeah. Well, and the if frustrating thing is that some of them to are time-locked. A... Like, it's, it's a puzzle game, so it should be fine. But a lot of them are time-locked. So you only have a certain window that you can interact in a certain way with it. And then you have to redo the entire process if you fail at your... like. If, if you're going to make me go through the trial and error method of solving a problem, then make it quick and easy for me to start a new trial. But in the example that Josh was giving, if you didn't know that the lock had to be fiddled with or whatever, then you have a certain window of time to complete your objective. If you fail to do so, then you have to go all the way outside to get the balloons from the guy, go back into the garage to fill it up with the, with the thing, go all the way up to... A, you have to go back into the building to fill it up with the paste, go all the way up onto your floor and put the balloons back in the tube and then go back down and try again. That is so arduous and time consuming that just <laughs> that alone would take you more than five minutes. And that's just so you can set up to try and solve this puzzle again. Similarly with the bread and the pigeons on the roof. Oh my goodness. Like that was I don't ridiculous. I actually can't figure out I don't remember what I even had to do at that point, but I remember distinctly having to go down and get more bread each time I couldn't figure it out and you weren't able to carry more than one piece of bread at a time. It was ridiculous. So that game was just so aggravating. I can't even believe it we made it as far as we did, and I cannot believe that that game is viewed as a classic of the genre because it is so aggravating to play i don't know if you want to go into 12 minutes we don't it was 12 minutes because of the story story and of... story and gamer logic it was gamer logic I, to see, a lesser I, I, degree, I feel but it was yeah, i guess we won't get too much to into it, but... it, it it was it wasn't so much that it was like as egregious as grim fandango but we played different point-and-click adventure to maybe uh we played a different point-and-click puzzle adventure game to maybe redeem the grim fandango experience and then instead just got a different crap sandwich that was crappy in different ways so, i still had like a, a decent time with it for me it was mostly the story the story was like oh, what in the why did i do this because the game itself I, I did i did enjoy but it sounds like maybe you had some of the game of logic moments I was less so, um, but you you also had a much more systematic approach that kind of made it easier True. Uh, to get to your goal. Whereas I was actually trying to solve a puzzle, like that's and this goes back. It, it was easier to gamer logic because there was fewer things to interact with, but mm-hmm. you weren't actually okay. This is what a person would do to solve this problem, so that's what I'll do. Oh, and it worked because I solved the puzzle. It was interact with every single thing in the room until you find something that works yeah again probably don't want to get too much into that game we did a full review on it but yeah yeah so most surprising games of the year oh did you have there's at least one more that i want to hit my disappointing okay perfect i can i can skip my number two but my number one i said i'd get back to it and i i feel i have to because goodness man I am very, very disappointed. 
I'm disappointed with Resident Evil 4 <laughs> VR. Okay. Oh, yes. I thought this was a must-play because everybody was saying it was a must-play, but I'm convinced everybody saying it was a must-play were people who played the original. Now, look, I'm not saying the original is bad. I have not played it. I think I may have to. But if I am playing Resident Evil 4 in VR, I want to be playing it in VR. That is why I am playing it in VR and not on my computer or on my PS4 or 5 or whatever, right? This game is like... It feels like the sloppiest effort, the sloppiest port imaginable. All the things that... All the staples of VR, like the the function of your weapons or the cutscenes, are, are so out of place. So one of the most egregious things are, are the cutscenes. Because there are a lot of them. There's a lot of cutscenes in this video game. Now, normally... If you were to port a PC game or a console game over to a VR, you would say, okay, so we need to make the cutscenes VR. They just completely skipped that. I said, nah, no, 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 screw that. We'll just play the we'll just play the cutscene cut on a TV screen in front of you. And not only that, but we'll make the screen go entirely black suddenly, just like that, while you're walking to play said cutscene. Oh, and by the way, we're going to put a heck of a lot of cutscenes in this game, so you cannot get away from it. So you'll be walking in VR, minding your own business, right? And then you'll just, bam, you'll, everything will go black and you'll appear in, in a room with like a little movie theater screen and you'll watch the third person, uh, the video. And then you go back into the game, bop, back into your body. Keep walking and 30 seconds later it happens again. If you fight a boss, that's what happens. Like you're fighting a boss and you hit another stage, it'll go into a cutscene right in the middle of the boss. Dude, this breaks immersion so bad. I saw an article by some dude, I don't remember what it was on, probably Polygon, because they suck, but he was saying, uh, Resident Evil uh, 4 VR shuns everything that uh, most VR games attempt uh, for immersion, and I love it that way, and his his argument was basically, it makes me feel like I'm playing Resident Evil 4 on PC again, or, you know, the classic, when I played it for the first time, it made me feel like a kid or whatever, like, dude, no, 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 stop, 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 you're, you're pissing me off with this nonsense, it's a VR game, I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm playing Resident Evil 4 on my console. That's why I bought it in VR. That's the, that's the point of VR. There's a lot more. The weapons are atrocious. Just the, the, the functionality of them. There's a lot of gun sims. I don't expect it to be perfectly accurate with how you reload and whatever. But I expect to at least have like a clip release button. So if I'm using a pistol, I can drop the clip out. You can't do that. The only way you can reload is if you grab uh, a magazine, it'll automatically drop it out and then you put it in there. When you're loading a shotgun, you just load one shell and it does all eight or however many you can load. And then you, you know, you can rack it and whatever. The functionality is awful. Uh, the knife... <laughs> There's a knife in the game. It sucks. You can't you can't even hold it like in an ice pick grip. It has to be held vertical. When you hit things, there's there's no like hit registry. There's no. It it just looks like garbage. Uh, when you melee, it, there's a melee button, right? Because instead of punching, you have to just hit a melee button, and then it zooms out into a third person camera and does like a roundhouse kick, and then it goes back in. It's like, dude, really? Come on, man. So it's been thoroughly disappointing because, like I said, I've become kind of a new convert to the Resident Evil series, and I was really looking forward to it, hearing all the uh, praise heaped upon it. But it is by no means 
a great VR game. If you want a good zombie game, play uh, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. That's all I'll say on it. I, I know it's a lot, but like I, it's it's my number one most disappointing for a reason, because I'm thoroughly disappointed by it. I will finish it slowly, but... It'll be a while, and it'll be disappointing. <sighs> yeah. Okay. And I'll play it on PC. <laughs> I so unfortunately have not played, and I will never play, so I have nothing to add to this, other than it's very entertaining to watch Josh rant about a game that he really hates. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing yeah, I, I don't want to look I don't want to go back into it alright but yeah, we won't. I don't no 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 here it's, it's fine thoroughly it's fine. disappointing well, there's, talk there's about, a difference talk about your most surprising there's game of the there's a difference year. just go ahead and talk about your most surprising game of 2021 before you your I've, head explodes I've already done that with Deep Rock Galactic I didn't expect to like it I, I do have like a, a distant second do tell if you'd like me to go into that of course uh, that would be Dark Souls 3 Okay. No, I, m- I make a meme out of it because Alex absolutely loves Dark Souls games. He's one of those mouth breathers, but that's a joke. Um, he kind of challenged me earlier in this year. That was the first time I played It Takes Two, actually. So he challenged me. He's like, I don't think you would like this game. I don't think you could finish it. It's like, oh, yes, I can. So I picked it up. Yeah, it's it's hard. It is hard. But I beat it, and he bought me It Takes Two. Very nice. And, Yeah. And I did enjoy it. I, I'm not gonna. It's not on my top five games of the year for good reason. I've been very slowly playing through Sekiro, so it's like piqued somewhat of an interest in these Soulsborne games, these Souls likes. I guess it's it's a tough call because I I would say I like them, but I don't love them. However, that is a lot more than I expected. For yeah. one, I actually didn't really expect to be able to finish it, and two, I. I thought I was going to absolutely hate it with every bone in my body. And I didn't. So it that's a very soft surprise, I suppose. Hey, I didn't okay. absolutely hate it. Not exactly high no, praise. Most but. surprising doesn't have to be favorite. It just has to be surprising. And you know what? If you told me <laughs> a year ago that you were going to play a Dark Souls 3 game and not hate it, I too would be surprised. So yeah. there you have it. My most surprising game is Pikmin 3 Deluxe Edition. I played it probably four times now. I love it to death. I played it with my roommate twice, one and a half times, and I've played it uh, almost entirely through with my brother, halfway through with uh, someone else, and I have soloed a lot of it. So I really enjoy this game. It's hard. I'm not very good at it. But I love the aesthetic of it It's with uh, you walking around uh, as a little mini human, almost like in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, with these <laughs> cute little <laughs> Pikmin following you around, singing their little song and chanting and hooping and hollering in their high-pitched little Pikmin voices when you throw them. Uh, it's just so fun. It's lighthearted. All of the enemies are uh, really, like, almost cute. All of the uh, even most scary characters just kind of feel ridiculous and outlandish, and it, nothing about it feels high stakes, even though, strictly speaking, it is. But it's a it's a thoroughly enjoyable experience of a game, even if it's a little ridiculous at times. Um, the th- the soundtrack is fantastic too. It's just so peaceful. It kind of reminds me of Animal Crossing at various points. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great little game. Would recommend. Okay. Okay, so you played Pikmin 3 
But have you pay, played Pikmin Bloom? I'm not playing Pikmin Bloom. I don't do that pocket game crap. Do you, <laughs> so you know what Pikmin Bloom is? I, I I don't know the first thing about what it's like, but I refuse to play it as I do not do so, that pocket game crap. I, so Grant uh, sent me a link on Instagram for an ad, and it said something like, why are Pikmin so cute? And I clicked on it, and I was like, man, they are kind of cute. Yeah, they are. And so I, I, I downloaded it, breaking my you know loose principles. And opened it once, made an account, and I have not opened it since in about a month. Yeah, I know. It's two. Okay. I don't know when it released. I got it like launch day, I think. So um, it's a banger. Suffice yeah. it to say, yeah. there's like nothing to it. It's 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 like a trying to recapture the the magic of Pokemon Go. Yeah, I but figured. there's nothing to it. I figured. You just like walk around these little Pikmin bloom, and then you name them things, and name them like. Uh, charlie and bertha and whatever it was weird yeah no. it's a weird game wait i'm gonna open it right now yeah no um, <laughs> but all in all from the disappointments to the raging successes i'd say it was a successful 2021 of gaming from starting a podcast to playing fantastic co-op games getting into jrpgs and more it's a good year of gaming for me it's a good year of gaming. I do want... I want to improve next year, though. I do as well. And there's two ways I want to do that. One, I want to play more games. Actually, three ways, sorry. One, I want to play more games. Two, I want to play more new games, especially for the podcast. And three, as far as the podcasts go, hopefully we can hit our stride with that, because it's been real rough. It has been, Get everything it ironed out on the technical side. I swear, man, like... We get ahead of the ball and then we just get kind of absolutely you know, blown out by by <laughs> technical stuff. Yeah, it's but, kind of rough, but we'll get there. Um, I mean, we're we're well on our way, and this I think it would I think it was a little foolhardy of us to assume that we were gonna start this up and have no kinks along the way and no problems along the way, but also uh, definitely some more work can be done, should be done, and will be done to make this a more consistent output both in quality and time keep in mind so we started this in what october yeah that's ridiculous so well, by the way that means we're three months to the six months yeah we're, we're half we're we're one quarter in on this well no the six months september where... 20th Generally, they so they September, off, right? October, September to October, October to November, November to December, plus some change. Oh dang! Yeah, we might do it. We might make it past the six months. If we quit after the six months, we make it past the stats, or at least we're not one of those losers who can't make it past six months. <laughs> but, um, I figure we could go over some of the games we're looking forward to in twenty twenty two. I have five. Oh my gosh! Okay, we're gonna have to like rapid the thing fire is, these boys. Yeah, we can go quick. The thing is, you know, they're all like potential games, games I haven't played yet. Okay. Uh, so number number five for me. How many do you have? I only have two, but I might piggyback That's off, I'll, off I'll, of some I'll, of yours. I'll I've, just go. Uh, I haven't been looking at all in the upcoming years, uh, up in the upcoming games. So. So are you familiar with um? Uh, it's a game called Inside, and there's another one called Limbo. Yes. Yes. So there's another game very, very similar in that vein, the closer to Inside the Limbo, called Somerville. 
looks very interesting um, by the same folks. I really have enjoyed these types of games. It's kind of uh, 2.5D side-scroller type. A lot of them are darker, very dark in kind of tone and narrative. And you have to play through them. And a lot of the story takes place in the background. Not a lot of actual dialogue in these games. But Somerville is a game that's coming out supposedly this year. And I'm actually excited to play it because Little Nightmares, Limbo, and Inside are all games that I've really enjoyed a lot. I'll go into number four, Dying Light 2. That one's coming out pretty soon, actually. Haven't played Dying Light 1. I will do that. But uh, are you familiar with Dying Light? Nope. Okay. So remember that whole that parkour game that we always like to crap on because it sucks? <laughs> Dying Light is a hybrid of that and a zombie game. It is it's a shooter, but it's got like heavy parkour elements. Now that sounds badass to me, and I know it's, it was generally received well. I'm excited for it. That's all I really got to say about it because I haven't played the first one. So I'm looking forward to Dying Light 2. What is your f- second or first one? My second game will be the new Kirby game that's coming out this year. I have not the foggiest about it. And quite mm-hmm. frankly, I don't even know if I will be in a, in possession of a system to play it on. But it the advertising intrigued me. The thing is, is that I'm not really the most in touch with the upcoming games. I mostly wait for games to release and then see what kind of reception they get and then play it or not. Mm-hmm. That is until we started doing this project, so I'll have to start altering that path. But I'd, I don't have the most developed of games lists in the upcoming year. I mostly have a list of games that have already come out that I want to play yeah, because that makes I have a long sense. backlog, a long backlog. All right, um, we'll move on then with my next two, Stalker 2. This is my number three. Uh, I have a soft spot for kind of post uh, post-apocalyptic in the nuclear sense. I haven't played a ton of Fallout, but I, I do like that franchise. Metro Exodus, I was playing that this year. I played most of the way through it. It's depressing to me because it's a game that doesn't run well, at least on my computer. And I don't remember why I quit. I think it probably had to do with the podcast, to be completely honest. It was two or three months ago I was playing it, and... I probably had other obligations. But point is, I love the, the kind of Russia-Chernobyl-type situations, post-apocalyptic, surviving, scavenging, that kind of thing. It looks like an absolutely gorgeous game. It looks like a next-gen game. I'm really excited for Stalker 2. My number two, and we, we've got to, you know, maybe maybe uh, get ourselves in, in work in order for this, but uh, Uncharted 4, Legacy of Thieves coming to PC. Dude. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Which one? I love Uncharted 4. Ah, Uncharted. It's Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy. I, again, I play on consoles. I do. I swear I do. But I'm not good at them. I'm not good at them. And, and shooters especially. I find a really, really rough time. And sometimes I want to play games on a more difficult setting. But the problem with these games is they turn off the auto-aim. Like Last of Us, I put it onto a more difficult setting. There's no there's no aim assist, and I cannot play it. Absolutely cannot. <laughs> it's way too hard with a controller. So, one, being able to play on a more difficult setting uh, and using a mouse and keyboard, but two, just the higher frame rate, and it's going to look absolutely stunning. Yeah, that'll be awesome. 
Dang, I'm excited for Uncharted. I actually do have one given. I actually do have one game that I'm properly excited for in this coming year. Uh, and again, I don't know if I'll have the console to run it, but I would love, love, love to play Legends of Arceus, the new Pokemon Legends game that's coming out. It's oh, coming out yeah, yeah. in like any day now. So hmm. I played Diamond and Pearl ages ago. Uh, it was the second Pokemon game that I played. Um, I did uh, one of the Game Boy ones, I forget. I was borrowing it from a friend, I forget what it was. But I did a little bit of that. But Diamond and Pearl, I kind of invested a lot of time and energy into. And then I played a little bit of Platinum. And that's it. I haven't played any of those games in years. I feel like the Pokemon formula can get a little old. And I feel like a lot of the games kind of are the same but just in a different region with different generations of pokemon and some slightly different features and numbers in the in the pokemon makeup but legends of arceus is definitely revolutionizing some of the ways that you play the game in the pokemon collection and obviously it's going on the switch so it's going to look really beautiful it's going to be the most graphically impressive of the pokemon games and again it does have a very simplistic style but it is very visually pleasing it looks like so i would love to give that game a try i don't have a lot to say on it because it's been so long since i've played pokemon really intently but it does look like it will be substantially more fun to come back into compared to previous releases since Pearl. Is this that one that I saw at the, I don't know if it's a Nintendo Treehouse. They show clips of it. It was running like 20 FPS. I don't know. Possibly. They released a... Remember correctly, it was not looking great. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, didn't like, watch any like cinematic releases or anything like that. I, I really um, haven't... It's like a 3D semi-open world type Pokemon. Yeah. I didn't like watch a ton of stuff. I just talked with my friends about different features that were going to be in the game and all that kind of stuff. So most of what I know about it is word of mouth and the kinds of gameplay features that I see um, from looking at the site. It looks very... uh, It looks like it's kind of revolutionizing uh, and really one-upping previous releases, but we'll see how it holds up in terms of frame rate. I'm pretty used to games running like dog crap on the Switch from having borrowed <laughs> people's Switches or played co- playing co-op yeah. games with friends on the Switch. So if it runs in 20 frames, then so be it. It's a Pokemon game, not a first-person shooter, so I don't need it to have tons of frames. If it looks pretty, if the textures are nice and the lighting is fine and the gameplay is fun, then that's all you really need on a Switch. If you go into a game on the Switch hoping for frames above 30 then you're just going to be disappointed and you're kind of a fool because that's not what nintendo's good at (laughs) not at all but i've mentioned before how painful it is for me nintendo and their switch yet my number one still is breath of the wild 2 of course assuming it doesn't get delayed three more years of course I will, like, not begrudgingly... He's a Zelda man. He's a Zelda man. Uh, I'm a Zelda man at heart. It's I love okay. Zelda. We'll see what happens this year. Maybe it's your lucky year, but I would be surprised. Either way, it's going to run at 30 frames a second, uh, max. Yeah, <laughs> Probably 20. They're going to go back to N64 and run at 23. 
It's symptomatic. Well, the lovely thing about that is that hopefully within a few years you can get a an emulation for the Switch. You can buy your copy of Breath of the Wild 2. By the time it comes out, we'll probably have functioning Nintendo Switch emulation. If I think, oh yeah, we'll, we'll probably... I have two of them. <laughs> Not gonna lie. So, uh, well, then you can run it in 60 frames uh, with a clean conscience. I wonder if I can, like, hook up the Switches together. Kind of like DL... What is it called? D... You have two oh, switches? SL. Yeah, I have mine and then... Uh, Why do you have... Because she puts all of her stuff at my house for whatever reason. That's funny. Yeah. Anyway. So, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up this year. Got a lot of fun content, a lot of fun games. And it was a great year looking back. It was kind of crazy at various points, but we got some good games under our belt. I definitely played more games this year than I've probably played in my entire life in a single year. That's for sure. Yeah. I definitely, you know, as much as I hate to give any props to Microsoft Xbox Game Pass, fantastic service. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're just such that such that guy, aren't you? I am that guy. As much as I hate to. <laughs> I hate that. It is a great service. And yeah, I, I would, I am on the same page. I've played a, a lot of games this year a lot of good games but that's what happens when you kind of put everything on the back burner for 20 something years and you're like oh yes actually i'm gonna play those games now yeah i know it's so same here honestly yeah looking forward though we're gonna definitely attempt to do more new games we're not gonna stop doing the old ones because there's a lot of great old experiences out there but hopefully be more on the ball uh, not only just with the posting of episodes but what we're posting there's some changes to the formatting, too, we won't get into. Just uh, fingers crossed, here's to hoping that actually comes to fruition. Absolutely. Um, other than that, go check out Hard Drive Sigma. HardDriveSigma.com. Articles, reviews, blogs, impressions on movies, books, uh, TV shows, games, etc. We'll be writing articles over there as well. And if you have any feedback, any mean names, any suggestions for games or topics... Our email is deepfriedgamingpodcast at gmail.com. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you next week. See ya.